Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Kim Crawford invites you to savor amazing with a chilled glass of New Zealand's finest. Named in the Wine Spectator Top 100 list four times. Every sip of Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc is filled with tropical fruit flavors like passion fruit and citrus to help you experience golden hour how you see fit. Visit KimCrawfordWines.com to learn more and find Kim Crawford Wine near you. Savor amazing. For those 21 and over, please savor responsibly. Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And today we are once again thrilled to be joined by the incomparable, amazing, astounding Bridget Todd. Thank you for joining us. Y'all are too kind. I'm so happy to be here with you, even though I feel like sometimes I I hang out with y'all in times of rage. Yes. It definitely (laughs) feels like today. Right. Yes. Well, there's no one we would rather hang out with in times of rage, Bridget. Right. (laughs) I'll take that as a compliment. Yes. It is. We want to commiserate and be enraged together. I feel like we get things done. I'm not that sh- I'm not sure that's true, but I'm a, I'm going to assume that in my head. Yes, and uh as listeners probably know based on the title and description of this episode, we are talking about abortion and the relation of abortion to technology and Roe v. Wade and the devastating news we've gotten recently and you sent out an email Bridget and you're like, "Hi, um choosing the topic and was just curious uh, if you've already done a bunch of stuff about this already. And to be honest, and I hope that this doesn't like infuriate you, but I was like, I hope Bridget's going to talk about this because you have so much experience. And uh, again, I don't want to put you in a box. I don't want you ever have to feel like you have to talk about these things. But I was like, oh, Bridget's going to come on and she's going to have so much great information about this through these dark times that will make it feel less dark. Yes, I, I do not take that as an insult. You know, I have worked most, not the entire thing, but most of my adult life in and adjacent to abortion access. And yeah, so it's something that I really hold very dear. And it's something that's been a big part of not just my work, but also my, my personal life. Um, it's something that really 
permeates a lot of my other social and political ideology and values. And so I'm not offended at all. I'm, I, there, <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, thank goodness I've got a sminty book to talk about it. Um, but I know that both of you all are based in Georgia, which is a state that is not particularly hospitable to abortion care. So I feel like I have to start by asking, you know, how, how are we doing the loaded question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we want to circle back and uh, hear about how you're doing as well, Bridget. We just did a a reaction uh, episode. It hasn't come out yet, but it'll come out soon about how we felt about it when it, the day it happened. And it was pretty emotional. Um, I feel like, I feel pretty sad and angry and heartbroken and scared and like things feel very uncertain. Um, and the day it was announced... I had a bunch of friends happen to be coming in from out of town to stay with me. And they're all women. And uh, one of them's a nurse. And we just like talked about it. And everyone was so scared. I think, I, yeah, scared was the main thing. And angry, very angry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just... <sighs> it's hard to, it's like an emotion inside me that's it just whirling around and it feels like almost always on the verge of a panic attack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, that, that's a good way of saying it. Like it feels like the end of the world for a certain extent of uh, what we're talking about and how we're seeing things in the future. You know, Georgia has been one of those as of late uh, being... Um, kind of the purple state, essentially, with two of our uh, senators being Democrats, which is the first time in history that we've been able to push that and feeling like everything is on the line right now because of things like what is happening with the Supreme Court, um, with all of the different rulings that are happening. We're seeing how bad it's gotten, and we had to push so hard to get to this point. But it felt it feels almost like we had very little difference um, in the overall impact. And I know that's not true. This is me being a little bit catastrophic about all of this, uh, devastated in the moment, and and taking a moment to be like, okay, this is what it is, uh, feeling like we've had to fight so hard. And I know, actually, that's the first time I met you, Bridget, you had actually said that to me about how you had to work so hard to get to to CDC, to get to where it was, and us coming in here being like, yeah, we get it. This year has been, this last few years has been that for us to push so hard and seeing so many good things happen and then coming to this moment of like, oh God, we're, we're back to square one, it feels like. And we, I know it's not true because it's it should be hopeful, but seeing all these things doesn't always uh, get you motivated, right? And it's one of those things and seeing, okay, we have Stacey Abrams and we really do want to see her come through. And we've already had one big disappointment and there was a lot of contention in that uh, election. And we're coming back to round two and we know that they've already kind of stacked the cards in um, how this is going to play out. But if we can, you know, push through, maybe it can happen. Um, Of course, the women of color, the black women here have been fighting so hard and have really pushed us to that victory, being here and knowing that the impact of what's happening in the Supreme Court impacts what's happening to us so severely. Like there's so many things that just feels overwhelming that the intersectionality of all of the issues, it it feels heavy. It feels so heavy. Annie and I are trying to find a way to like focus on like, all right, we have to be active. We have to move forward. We have to be advocates. We can't sit in turmoil because we don't have that time. Yeah, I plus, plus, plus to all of that. And I think it can be hard because, you know, humans are only meant to take so much, right? Mm -hmm. It just seems like 
I saw a tweet that was something to the effect of like, the last few years have been getting the worst news imaginable every day for like right. several months. And I guess that's how it has felt. And, you know, the day that we got the news about Roe, it was, it, I'm not going to lie, like it was a tough day. I physically got sick to my, like I, I got sick. Like I yeah. was not expecting it. Like I, I, even though I knew it was coming and like it wasn't a surprise to me, I was really surprised by how physically difficult I, I took it. But I think you're exactly right that it's it really takes constant reminders that whatever I have to do to take care of myself so that I'm in this for the long haul, I need to do. So whether it's taking an afternoon to be like, you know, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm not going to check the news or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Doing it in service of being able to be here for the long haul because it's it's, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Right. And you know, one of the things that I have a bad habit of, and I'm so glad you're here, is that I take face value to the worst news. Because at this point, I'm just ready. And I'm like, yeah, obviously, obviously, this is going to be the worst thing ever. And a lot of this has been disinformation. And me, like one of the things that I thought with the trigger ban was like, automatically, all 13 of those states are done. And that's not actually true. And knowing that I have you as one of my list of people with ultraviolet, like, okay, they're going to let me know Calm down, Samantha. You're just get playing it up where it becomes hopeless. So thank you for being here. And please <laughs> talk me off this ledge. Oh, I am happy to. And, you know, as I said, I've, I've worked most of my life in or around abortion access and protecting it and advocating for it. And it's actually one of the reasons why I started my podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet, is because I started to see how when I was you know doing that work, I wasn't really thinking about it necessarily as a, quote, tech issue. I thought of it as a, you know, feminist issue, a women's issue, a health issue, a justice issue, a human rights issue, all of those things. But I didn't really have the analysis yet of it being a technology issue. And so looking back, I really wish I had really done the work in a way that honored that reality. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm kind of making up for lost time. But, you know, I started my podcast because I really saw a pervasive attitude around conversations involving technology and the internet that pushed women and queer folks and non-binary folks and trans people really out of the conversation and said that the conversation is for white, heterosexual, cisgender men. And that attitude really opened up these big gaps for exploitation and harm. And in fact, we, and by we I mean like women, queer folks, you know, people who are historically marginalized, we are the ones who are definitely more likely to be harmed by technology than straight white men. And so the conversation around abortion to me really shows how technology can really, when we're not included in the conversation, when we're not thinking about it, we're not checked in with what's going on around the internet and technology, it really opens up these avenues for harm. And I really wanted to talk about some of the ways that abortion and technology are now intersecting in this post-Roe world that we're finding ourselves in. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like um, a lot of the conversations I'm seeing now uh, are about technology. Um, They are about... Uh, the way our data is collected, I know we're going to talk about that later, uh, the way we can access information or can't access information and if that information is even correct. And I know you've been on here before and you've talked about like, yes, the power of misinformation and disinformation. And that has been a huge thing when it comes to abortion and continues to be. 
Oh, yes. We're seeing a flood of inaccurate and misleading myths and disinformation about abortion. And truly, as soon as the um, draft SCOTUS opinion leaked back in May in Politico, instantaneously, we saw people using social media to spread both myths and disinformation about abortion. Uh, just a reminder, misinformation is inaccurate information that's being spread. The person doesn't necessarily know it's inaccurate. They're not doing it on purpose. Maybe they think it's true. Disinformation is the purposeful spread of inaccurate or misleading information to cause confusion or chaos or fear. And so immediately people were saying, kind of like Sam, kind of like what you were saying, that like, this means that abortion is illegal starting now, this very same day. You know, if you had an appointment that appointment is now canceled because abortion is now illegal. And that's that was not true. And I believe that, you know, this was maybe being spread by, a, by both anti-abortion extremists who are purposefully spreading medical disinformation, basically to talk people out of getting abortions. Um, and then that was sort of out in the ether. And so people who just like genuinely didn't know what was going on, who were you know, maybe feeling scared or anxious or confused. And so obviously when you're in that state, you're just sharing a lot of things and you're not necessarily thinking about it. Um, we're then sort of seizing on it and, and sharing it too. But it truly goes to show the deep, deep importance of our social media platforms being places where folks have access to reliable and consistent, consistently accurate, timely information to make decisions about their health. Because if you, you know, if you log on to Twitter you know, that's a place where I get my news. It's where I get local information. It's like where I found my local COVID testing places when I was getting tested regularly and all of that. If I log on to Twitter and it's just a flood of information that is just flat out not accurate and I'm using that to bait, to make decisions about my health as I've done in the past on Twitter, uh, that's a problem. And so I think it really, it really demonstrated uh, the need to have our platforms be places where accurate content is really easily accessible. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Life is busy. There are so many things on your to-do list with so little time to do them. And you're always thinking about others' needs before thinking of your own. Trust me, we understand. Kim Crawford does too. That's why they're inviting you to experience Golden Hour, your chance to reclaim your time and laugh with your favorite people, play your favorite song on repeat, gaze outside your window and daydream about your wildest dreams, or celebrate your victories. No matter the moment, you can savor it all with a chilled glass of New Zealand's finest. As the number one ranked Sauvignon Blanc in the U.S., Kim Crawford has classic aromas of lifted citrus, tropical fruit, and crushed herbs to help you stay in a golden hour state of mind. 
Because Golden Hour is more than just time, it's whenever you want to savor amazing. Visit KimCrawfordWines.com to learn more. That's KimCrawfordWines.com to find Kim Crawford Wine near you. Savor amazing. For those 21 and over, please savor responsibly. Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. One of the most infuriating things that we saw in the wake of this reversal of Roe v. Wade was um, people who were trying to redirect the conversation and who were trying to say that it it was strange. It was like the most strange gaslighting I've ever seen because they were trying to celebrate, but they also were like, but it's not banned though. You're overreacting and you're being like violent and too much. (laughs) I mean, honestly, one of the big conversations, and which is why I was bringing up the election, is right now we do have our Senate seat and the biggest debate on there is about abortion right now. Anytime I see anything about uh, any of the elections and the misinformation slash disinformation that is on that feed alone is amazing. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, I've heard these narratives for so long and it's come back and people are truly pushing this. It's unreal. Yeah, I mean, it. when, I, when so I know exactly what you're talking about. I've definitely seen it. And I think it really goes to show when inaccurate or misleading information, when it taps into something that is like a base dark thing inside of us. And I, I say us, as like humans, because I'm definitely susceptible to it. I have definitely been, definitely had that, that, that thing in me triggered. It really catches on, right? And so I see content all the time that is clearly meant, it's like, it's like it's written for me. I'm like, oh, well, that hit, that stokes all my, you know, deeply personal, individualistic fears and anxieties. Clearly this was meant, so, so for me, whenever I feel that, I know that it's, it's my signal to like take a beat and like, don't just give into it. But yeah, in, inaccurate or misleading information that, that speaks to these things inside of us can be so effective. They're so sticky because bad actors and, and disinformers and people who want to use lies to inflame and divide, they know what they're doing. They're so good at it. Yeah. And you talked about that when you talked about the influence of anti-abortion people at the insurrection uh, and the, the influence they had. And then you gave the, you know, like we have document documentation that it's actually the anti-abortion people who are the violent ones historically, yes? Absolutely. I am so glad that you brought that up. So in the wake of the leaked 
opinion about Roe and in the aftermath of Roe being overturned, so many anti, I I call them anti-abortion extremists because they are out of step with the majority of Americans. And I'll probably say that a hundred more times during this episode. But um, (laughs) as soon as that went down, they were saying like, oh, you know, the real conversation is whoever leaked this draft or the real conversation should be about the fact that somebody wrote in chalk outside of a Supreme Court justice's house, like things like that. And the real conversation we should be having is, you know, abortion advocates vandalizing buildings or yada, yada, yada. And that that is just an attempt to shift the conversation to distract us because the reality is anti-choice extremists are trying to block abortion access, something that 80% of the country is fine with, is is supportive of. And so if they were to have that conversation about the reality of what they're doing, it would make them look terrible because it's incredibly unpopular and they know this. And so they need the conversation to be about anything else other than the reality of what they're doing. They need the conversation to be about who was the leaker, who could it be? It's so horrible, the unprecedented nature, all of that. They need the conversation to be about violence on behalf of people who are supportive of abortion when the reality, you know, here in in the real world, we know that anti-abortion extremists, they're the ones who have perpetrated violence against abortion providers and always have. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, if you think about it for a second, you already know this. You don't need me to tell you this, right? It's why we have clinic escorts. That wouldn't exist if that wasn't the case, right? And so they, they really want to flip the narrative, and it's just not true. In the wake of the conversations around Roe, we saw anti-abortion extremists really trying to own the conversation by repeating this inaccurate, misleading narrative. Um, When we know that anti-choice extremists have used violence, including the murder of Dr. George Tiller, who was murdered while he was in church, his place of worship, back in 2009, right? And so it's actually getting worse. According to a new report from National Abortion Freedom, abortion providers in the U.S., Canada, and Colombia have faced significant increases of violence and disruptions to their work in the last year compared to the previous year, including stalking, invasions, assault, and battery. Uh, And so, yeah, it's this idea that we are facing a wave of violence from people who are advocates of abortion and their allies. That's just not true. The reality is, what we have already known is that it's anti-abortion extremists who are using violence to express themselves, not the other way around. Right. You know, it's interesting because I just read uh, a Twitter thread where this woman was talking about her experience in having to get an abortion, which was uh, medically necessary, even though this was a planned pregnancy. She really wanted to have a baby and was expecting to uh, carry it to full term. But Everything went wrong. She had to get an abortion. It was pre, like it was during a time where it was really uh, looked down upon and frowned upon. And she had to travel to actually go to uh, Dr. Tiller. Oh, and how wow. she was, she was talking about the fact that she had to visit him, and when he came out, he had to have a gun on him because he'd already been threatened. It was an interesting thread. Her talking so. Uh, deeply about this personal experience and why she did it and having to go and travel to him to get this done. And then at the end, you know, she goes into on to say that this was the same doctor that got killed at the church. The amount of comments from anti-abortion people completely skipped the entirety of the fact that someone was murdered for doing this service and went to, yeah, but this story is not true because why would you have to go out of the state? This story is not, like just picking apart her story rather than seeing the end. And and it was just like, wow, this is the way they are reaching to take apart the violence that that is happening and what has happened. And the true loss of life to this is such a mental gymnastics, but it's working. That's the part. Like people, People fed on this. 
you're absolutely right. That story is heartbreaking and infuriating, but it is not surprising. And I think part of why stories like that are able to take off so much and and have that stickiness where people like feel like it's okay to to tear her story apart and all of that. I think, you know, I, I talk a lot about how misleading narratives around things like abortion fester on social media, but I think that these things have have been there since way before social media was ever a thing. Like, think about the ways that mainstream media, like news outlets and newspapers, have done a lot of the work of anti-choice extremists for them by spending decades framing abortion as this, quote, controversial issue, when the reality is 80% of Americans support abortion access. There is not a place in the United States, even in the deepest of red states, where the majority of people there are against abortion access. And so... All of these stories that we that we saw, all of these news stories that framed it as this controversial issue where there's two sides, we got to like hear both sides and all of that, went leaving out the plain honest truth that Americans are not divided on abortion care. It's actually something that we are really the majority, like are united on, you know, it's like there's not many things where I was in America where 80% of people like it other than like, I don't know, maybe Tom Hanks or like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, tr- I'm struggling to think of others, right? So like, there's not that many things, but abortion care and the importance of protecting abortion access is one of them. And yet we still see media treating it as this, as this controversial issue. Where is the controversy? America mm-hmm. has its mind made up and it's anti-choice extremists who are pushing through abortion bans and making it harder for people to access abortions against the wishes of a, of, of the, of a majority, a clear majority of the American public. Yes. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, as we've discussed multiple times, I grew up in a very small conservative town. Uh, when I first started on this show, one of the very first episodes in 2010 we did was a, like, politics-free abortion episode. And it was a it made news in our office. Like, oh, they're talking about abortion. Like, oh my God, it's going to be so controversial. And I always thought it was super controversial because this is the story I've been fed. And so when I heard like, oh yeah, 80% of people are on it, I was shocked. Like that shocked me. And that's how effective this has been. That I was so surprised. And like, I know we're going to have a silver lining at the end, promise listeners. But one of the silver linings that's come out of this mess for me has been like, oh my gosh, look at all these people that agree with me. (laughs) And I thought it was such a controversial thing. Oh, but I could go into a whole thing about high school debate team and the abortion argument, but people get so inflamed about it. Oh my gosh. Uh, Speaking of social media... While the media has done this great job of already feeding us this narrative that abortion is very controversial, social media, like, inflamed it, right? Absolutely. So, as I said, these incorrect narratives and and misleading narratives about abortion, how Americans feel about them, who has them, how you can access them, lies about all of those things— did not start with social media, but social media really allows them to spread quickly and become legitimized, right? And so I believe that platforms need to be doing a lot more to fix that. Right now, platforms do not treat lies about abortion as medical misinformation the way that they would, you know, for inaccurate information about COVID or vaccines. And I think it's because we have a harder time when, I mean, this is just my, as someone who studies disinformation and works on the internet, this is just like my opinion. I think that when there is an identity issue layered into myths or disinformation, it becomes harder to talk about clearly. And so if you're like, oh, uh, vaccines are safe, 
or some fact-based thing about COVID, people are like, yep, that is, you know, that's that's fine. If you lie about those things, I think most people, you know, most reasonable people are like, oh, that's medical misinformation. When you layer on a clear identity issue, like, you know, everybody should have access to gender-affirming healthcare, that's, those are the things that I think that it is harder to see as the, as the medical misinformation it really is. And so we treat lies about COVID and vaccines and things like that as clearly medical misinformation. We treat lies about trans folks, queer folks, women, uh, and our care as something else. I would argue that both are forms of medical misinformation and further, both are threats to our public health. Yes, and so far... The, it seems like social media and the people, the powers that be behind them do not agree with you, or at least they're not taking action about that, right? Right. As in fact, I just recently I read an article saying that uh, they found out that Facebook, Meta, and Instagram were slowly just taking off actual information, anything that mentions like Plan B or mm-hmm. the, the abortion pill, right? Yes, 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 yes. So right now, social media platforms are basically, I would argue, enabling and profiting from the spread of both organic and paid content that promote dangerous medical disinformation and misinformation around things like the abortion pill, even though this medication has a very long track record of scientific study and safety. Uh, Quick side note, uh, with my work at Ultraviolet, working with our coalition called the Women's Disinformation Defense Project, Ultraviolet and other organizations met with social media platforms to flag clear, specific examples of really dangerous lies about abortion on their platform. Um, We did this last month right after the leaked opinion around Roe came out because we knew we were going to need to, you know, bring this to their attention. And when we did, they quickly acted to take those those lies about abortion down because they agreed that it was important for platforms to be a place where, oh, wait, no, just kidding, just kidding. They did (laughs) nothing. Those They didn't do anything. And so they had... They can't say, oh, we didn't know because we sat there and showed them. They, we can't, they can't say, oh, we didn't have time. We're working on it because we showed them a month ago. And so it just goes to show how, I don't know, I just want platforms to do better. I think that we should be able to deserve better. I think that, you know, these platforms, they have so much money. They have so many resources and they, they still can't get it right. And we've also seen really horrible medical misinformation about this process that they call, quote, abortion reversal. I'm putting scare quotes around that, which is this idea that pill-based abortion can be reversed, which is total nonsense, not grounded in science. Platforms have allowed both organic and paid promotion of potentially life-threatening claims about this dangerous and medically unproven procedure, even while the American College of Obstrictics and Gynecology, which publishes practice guidelines for OBGYN care, including abortion, does not recommend the practice, stating that, quote, claims of medication abortion reversal are not supported by the body of scientific evidence, and this approach is not recommended in ACOG's clinical guidance on medication abortion. As shown by the failed study, this approach is not safe, not not effective, nor is it based in medical evidence, yet platforms allow dangerous, inaccurate content that, you know, around abortion reversal, saying like, oh, if you took an abortion pill, There's a process where you can reverse it, even though it's not true. And so stuff like that can really be life-threatening, and yet platforms are allowing it on on their their platforms and making money from it. Wow. Because that's kind of along the same lines of, like, trying to get activists, and we're like, you know, you're well-intended, but stop using hangers as a symbol because Mm. there is a safe access, and then having that on top of the reversal— 
oh my God, the level of misinformation for young people out there trying to figure out what is an option. Ah, we're going to, it's going to kill people. Yeah, it's, I mean, you really said it. I really see this as an issue where so many things are layered on. So like there's the misinformation. There's also like people who are like, I think genuinely like very well-meaning, sort of perpetuating, I guess, I I mean, I don't want to, it's a hard conversation. Like, I don't want to shame anybody for, like, using the wrong language. And I think if you're in the fight, that's great. Even if you got to the fight late, that's great. We need you. Right. And so, you know, I, I don't want to shame anybody for, like, not starting their journey of activism around this issue, knowing the exact right messaging and the exact right framing and the things right. to say, the things to not say, what's helpful. Because uh, I certainly didn't know those things. Like, I was looking at my Facebook and I was like, oh, yeah, back in the day, like, 2010, coat hanger imagery was all over my Facebook. I thought right. I was being very helpful. I didn't know any better. And so I, I don't want to shame anybody who doesn't necessarily know the right thing. But yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where we have so much catching up to do as a movement and there are so many intersecting things against us that it can sometimes be like, wow, we are really, <laughs> we're really not in a great place, it feels sometimes. <laughs> right. And you know, I'm, I'm completely with you, but like, honestly, I didn't, in 2010, uh, shoot, until like last year, knowing about the abortion pill, I'm like, oh, oh, wow, okay, this is a whole different level of understanding of what this is, and that there is a safe access, and we need to make sure that we talk about it, because yes, there are so many bad things, we don't want to go back to the old way, we don't have to cross your fingers, in our, in, so that we can do the new access, like there's so many um, rebellious I love it. Uh, people out there who are helping get access to abortion through these abortion pills and how much safer it is. And we need to remind people of that. But, you know, also on top of all of this, what I'm thinking when it comes to anything with social media in general, I feel like the conspiracy, and I don't think it's a conspiracy overall, that we've already seen and talked about how just regular uh, marginalized content creators are being shadow banned. I feel like it's a prep up to this. Am I just being, you know, out there? You are not being out there in the <laughs> least, Sam. And, and it, it's one of those things where it feels like when you talk about this, it feels like conspiracy theory, right. but it's not. And so uh, platforms are definitely absolutely limiting what people can say about abortion and abortion pills. Um, they are, people are having statements about abortion pills uh, taken off of platforms like Facebook. Uh, Vice actually did some really interesting reporting into this. So um, on Friday, uh, Vice's tech vertical motherboard, one of their reporters attempted to post the phrase, abortion pills can be mailed on Facebook using a burner account. The post was flagged within seconds as violating the site's community standards, specifically the rules around buying, selling, or exchanging medical and non-medical drugs. The reporter was given the option to disagree with the decision or agree with it. After they chose disagree, the post was removed. Um, They were able to post phrases like, painkillers can be mailed, pills, and, quote, abortion without issue. Uh, Motherboard then posted... Abortion pills can be mailed a second time, and it was flagged for removal, and this time the reporter agreed with the decision. And so something I know about Facebook's uh, content policies, they say, oh, we remove anything that's illegal. But the phrase, abortion pills can be, can be mailed, that's, not, that's just like a fact. That's not you know, an, an admission of illegal behavior. And so it really goes to show the complete failure of content moderation policies uh, that platforms are using. You know, 
We've been sounding the alarm way before this decision about the fact that that platforms are going to become hotbeds of life-threatening misinformation and just that their plat- their, their moderation policies aren't, don't work. They're not transparent. They're not consistent. People don't know how they work, and they're not able to tell us with any kind of transparency how they work. And so, again, I, I think really this moment shows how badly platforms have failed us and how little they're working to to correct the problem. Right. And it feels just extremely hypocritical when they're like, oh, we're a platform, we're technology, we don't take sides, but you can't post that that thing, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Life is busy. There are so many things on your to-do list with so little time to do them. And you're always thinking about others' needs before thinking of your own. Trust me, we understand. Kim Crawford does too. That's why they're inviting you to experience Golden Hour, your chance to reclaim your time and laugh with your favorite people, play your favorite song on repeat, gaze outside your window and daydream about your wildest dreams, or celebrate your victories. No matter the moment, you can savor it all with a chilled glass of New Zealand's finest. As the number one ranked Sauvignon Blanc in the U.S., Kim Crawford has classic aromas of lifted citrus, tropical fruit, and crushed herbs to help you stay in a golden hour state of mind. Because golden hour is more than just time, it's whenever you want to savor amazing. Visit KimCrawfordWines.com to learn more. That's KimCrawfordWines.com to find Kim Crawford Wine near you. Savor amazing. For those 21 and over, please savor responsibly. Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. One of the things my friends and I've seen a lot of conversation about is, you know, people keep saying we're back to before Roe v. Wade, but it's different now because we have all of this technology and people are worried about oh, social media, can they use that? But also, um, like, period tracker apps, I know have been a big part of this conversation and fear. Totally. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. As Sam was saying, you know, 
in 2022, the conversation around abortion care is not, you know, quote, back alley abortions and coat hanger imagery and all of that. I understand why people are using that. And I'm, I'm again, like, I get it. But the conversation, because of the availability of things like abortion, pill-based abortion and self-managed abortion, is really not around that, ki- that kind of access. Like, finger, as you said, fingers crossed, I don't think we're going to go back to a place where we have to resort to that. And, and pill-based abortion is very safe. The new frontier is definitely surveillance and criminalization of people who uh, need abortions, are looking into abortions, people who are pregnant and aren't having, aren't planning on having an abortion, but maybe miscarry, and people who are aiding others in getting abortion. And so, you know, the last time that abortion was illegal in the 70s, you know, before Roe v. Wade was the law of the land, we did not have this vast digital network of surveillance that we have today. We didn't all carry GPS devices in our pocket or leave digital paper trails of everything we've ever Googled ever, you know, for someone to look at. We didn't have platforms that would then share that information with all manner of third parties, including law enforcement. Uh, you know, I want to say, like, on the on the period tracker thing, the very popular period tracking app Flow faced a lawsuit last year at, for sharing people's personal information, including, quote, intimate details about sexual health and menstrual cycles with third parties like Facebook and Google, despite public assurances that they would not do that. And according to this lawsuit, they did that because they know that data is, quote, vital to their business. And so I think all of those questions, I understand why in the wake of this decision, those were the questions that were like flooding social media. And when you add in laws like the one in Texas that deputize ordinary citizens to turn anyone that they suspect of having an abortion or aiding and abetting an abortion, uh, turn them in for a $10,000 reward slash bounty, you can really see the scope of what we're facing in terms of surveillance and criminalization. And so, um, a lot, you know, if someone's listening and they're like, well, should I delete my period tracker? Or like, how can I stay safe digitally in a post-row world? I am not a lawyer. I This is not legal advice. So like, do not take this as legal advice. But I did speak to computer scientist and social media expert, Dr. Jen Golbeck, uh, who is currently making a series on TikTok to educate people who might need abortions on how to access them more securely. If you want to hear the whole interview, it just came out. You can listen to the most recent episode of my own podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet. Uh, but here is a good summary, which I'm going to play, and it's going to work and it's going to be fine to give you a sense of some of the steps you can take to keep yourself secure. So, you know, you've mentioned a couple of like really great tips for folks if you're, if you're, you know, it looking for uh, abortion pills and you want to do it, you know, in a way that you're going to be less likely to be tracked, you know, using a Tor browser, using incognito mode when you search, um, using public Wi-Fi. Are there other tips that you want to shout out for folks if you, if they, if they might need this information? So, so that's all important stuff. I would say for sure the most important one is that you are not paying with a credit card or a debit card connected to your name. So figure out how much your medication is going to cost. Use cash, buy like a Visa vanilla gift card, which you can get anywhere for that amount, and then pay with the Visa vanilla gift card. Um, So much of how we're tracked is through credit card number. Um, So definitely do that. And the other way that we're really easily tracked is through email address. So set up a fresh email address that you are only using to buy this abortion medication. Um, Proton Mail is the one site that I've recommended for this. It's free, it's encrypted, it's really good and secure. Um, You can just set up an email address, use it to buy your medicine, don't use it for anything else. If you do that, gift card, fresh email address um, on something like Proton Mail, you know, I love Gmail. I use it, right? But they track the hell out of you on Gmail. So ProtonMail email address, vanilla gift card. Um, you you get 
80% of the protection from tracking just from those two measures. So, um, you know, that's easy and accessible to anybody. Definitely do that. Yes, that is such great and helpful information. And I know a lot of people are looking for it right now. So definitely listeners go check out that episode if you haven't already. And, you know, not to... We're gonna we're about to wrap up here, but it's kind of frustrating to me because I was talking to my friends about this, and they're like, "Do you know anybody who has a regular period?" <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but we did promise a silver lining. Yes, yes. So <laughs> as dark as all of that was, it is not all terrible news. And I know this is a lot, but the good news is that abortion advocates and providers have been in this fight for such a long time and have been spending the better part of a decade preparing for this very moment. And so they knew it was coming. They are prepared. They have abortion networks, abortion funds, legal expert, bail funds, protesters, actions, rallies, all at the ready. And so I know that there was a moment, at least for me, where it can feel very like overwhelming, like what's to be done? There are so many different things and resources that have been being strengthened for the last 10 years that you could tap into, listeners at home could tap into. And I think that's one of the things that gives me so much faith and makes me feel a little bit better is that this space is full of dynamic, brilliant people who care. And it's like the smartest chick from your college, right? The coolest person in your dorm, people like that, people who you can look to, the person in your life or in your community who is the loudest, proudest, most bold advocate, they're on our side, not the other way around. And guess what? It's 80% of us. There are more of us and there are of them and we will outlast them. And so as f***ed up as all of this is, don't lose hope because there are more of us than there are of them. We are 80% and we're not going anywhere. I'm a clap. Yeah. <laughs> that deserves applause. <laughs> I, need, I needed that. Yeah. I mean, I literally, right before we got on this call, was at a, like I just ran in from a action outside of the Supreme Court, where people were being, like, I think 150 people were arrested outside of the Supreme Court because they refused to move. And so it was folks like, I was looking through the crowd and I was like, oh yeah, her, she's a tech expert. Oh yeah, that's Busy Phillips. She's a celebrity. Oh yeah, her. Like, it was like, I was <laughs> yeah. going down the line and it was just like, damn, like we are strong and mighty and we're not going anywhere. We will not be moved. We're not going back. We will not back down. We'll see you mother on the street. Right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That was indeed the the silver lining we needed. And yeah, I think it's important to remember the work people have been doing and to respect that and then to continue that. Yes. Uh, do you have any resources you would like to shout out? Absolutely. The one that I always shout out is abortionfunds.org. You can find a local abortion fund in your community. Uh, if you've got money, you can give them money. There are other ways you can donate your time. Uh, but that's the one I really, I think that in this in this time right now, Giving money to local organizations is really the key. I love Planned Parenthood. I used to work there. They have plenty of money. If, if your, your daughter will go, like no shade to them, I love their work, but your daughter will go so much further. It's smaller local abortion funds. So definitely check out abortionfunds.org and find out if you've, got, if you've got a little coin to spend, I would spend it there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, for talking about this, for all the work that you've done. Because uh, we were like, I hope Bridget will help us through this and provide <laughs> us with great information. Um, and you did. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And yes, listeners, check out where Bridget, you can find Bridget in other places, including her podcast. You want to tell the listeners everywhere they can find you? 
Yeah, you check out my podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Bridget Marie or on Instagram at Bridget Marie in DC. Yes, and, and please go do that, listeners, if you have not already. And you can email us if you would like. Our email is stuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast or on Instagram at Stuff I'll Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I'll Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Kim Crawford invites you to savor amazing with a chilled glass of New Zealand's finest. Named in the Wine Spectator Top 100 list four times, every sip of Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc is filled with tropical fruit flavors like passion fruit and citrus to help you experience golden hour how you see fit. Visit KimCrawfordWines.com to learn more and find Kim Crawford Wine near you. Savor amazing. For those 21 and over, please savor responsibly. Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.